he literally just ran straight over Tony Underwood. Here it is for Johnny. Welcome to this special semi-final wrap-up from the Rugby World Cup where Australia have progressed to the big dance. They will take on New Zealand. I am Sean Maloney, joined by Sam Worthington, superstar, foxsports.com.au journal, and stepping in for Dave Dennis is an old teammate of his, Stephen Hoyles, ex-Brumbies captain, super rugby champion, Wallaby Men, I'm cooked. We're recording this first thing Monday morning and I've got nothing left to give. The game's just finished. You're charged up on Red Bull, but uh, starting to battle. I, I've had a few coffees. What are you? What's fueling you? You've got a tea there, Hoylesy, that's... Uh... A green and peppermint tea, but I've had a, a few hours sleep. Sean has right. you know, he's pushed through. I tried to sleep in the car park in the <laughs> Key <laughs> Grand Carnival. That was not successful. That's what a sauna <laughs> down there. <laughs> what happened? Anyone out there listening, do not sleep in B1 of Fox Sports Car Park ever again. <laughs> so we record our first yeah. episode of the Cut Run of Thover. And then Halsey <laughs> grabs his knapsack and his pillow, wanders off to the carnival and goes, I'll see you in a few hours. And then we get a video message on the WhatsApp going, it's so hot down here. I can't sleep in here. So you did Where'd you drive the car to? I put it out the front of the loading dock. Yep. And there was too much noise. People opening doors left, right and centre. So, so, so I do? just drove home and went and slept in my bed. Did you really? Yeah, got four hours sleep at home. Oh, and then, you're lucky yeah. not. This, this World Cup's doing strange things to people, isn't there? There's, oh, there's, there's, there's all sorts. There's, there's been some nudity in the kitchen this morning, I saw. There's, there's been yeah. animals around the studio yeah. at different times. It's, it's been an absolutely bizarre uh, World Cup. Look, it doesn't. It matters not, though. Bizarre, <laughs> weird, wonderful, whatever. Australia are going through after a hard-fought win against Argentina. They led 19-9 at the break, and then a moment of absolute brilliance from Drew Mitchell helped seal the win. Full-time score, 29 points to 15. Oh, where do you start with that win? Where do you, how do you break it down, Halsey? Well, you, you mentioned Drew Mitchell, and I think you know he was in and out of the squad for the whole season. He's come back from France. He's qualified through the 60 tests. The get-out clause, but he's benefited just as much. But it's interesting to see him back. Like a lot of people were thinking, would Rob Horn come back into the side? And you feel for Rob Horn because he's been so strong, but he's busted his shoulder. He's pushing through with a lot of pain. But Drewy, if you look at all the big games he's played in Heineken Cup semi-finals and finals, he always has big moments, and I think that's why they've gone with someone like him because he can just do things like that. He can break six to eight tackles in any given run, and he can go through phases of games where he's quiet at times, but he has that individual brilliance about him that you need to have a guy like that on the field. He had a great game. It wasn't just that, that big run, um, but made some crucial tackles, and he seems to be in the right place positionally um, a lot of the time as well. So, so you're right. Uh, he, he wasn't even probably part of the, the first 15 initially, was he? But he, he's becoming an integral member of the team, and he's got all that experience, and uh, yeah, I think he will play a big part in the final as well now. Well, it's his third World Cup, and I went to his first, it was in 2007, I was there, and he was in almost the best form of his career in 2007, but they didn't pick him in the starting side, and I always felt that was a mistake. If a guy was in such good form, like he's one of our highest, he's the highest Wallaby try scorer in the World Cup, mm. most of those came from 2007, he was on fire, but they stuck with the experience of Takiri and whatnot at the time, and they were some huge name players, and I just always felt at the time that Drury needed to be in that starting side in 2007. He went to New Zealand 2011. He was busted his hamstring. He had a really disrupted run to get there. So 
you know, maybe he's just you know, finally getting what he deserves in a World Cup. What I love about some of these older guys in the Wallaby setup at the moment is a lot of them have had to endure um, some real tough times in their career. So you look at Pocock's had years and years of checkered run through injury. Um, Stephen Moore, the same, was captain and then did, his, um, did himself a real big mischief last year. Uh, Drew Mitchell's another one. You know, he's come back in this Australian team along with Giddo via France. These are now men. You know what I mean? Like, that's the way I, I look at them. I think these guys are guys with life experiences. They've got perspective around what they're doing. And it means, it seems to mean more to them now than it did maybe previously. It, it comes across that way. You know how I try and describe it like this. You always feel when you're playing footy, you, you never take it for granted. Like, most guys at that level don't take it for granted because that's why they keep getting picked in that side. But I think there's a difference between taking it for granted and being able to appreciate it more. And the older guys certainly appreciate it more. Matt Giddo comes back and you can just tell... The first time he sung the anthem on his return trip to the Wallabies, he was almost in tears. He's spoken about how emotional it was. Because at the start of your career, you just always think it's going to last forever. And oh, I face the Harker and oh, that'll be good next time I do it. But there probably isn't going to be next time for a lot of these guys. And on top of that, the life balance, the perspective. I'm a huge fan. Having gone through a career now, you know, just the, the nerves at the later end of your stages, they're still there, but they're just a little bit more under control. And they sort of, that filters into late in games, big moments. And that's who you look for. You look at England in 03, New Zealand in. 2011, South Africa in 2007, like they're all full of experienced players. So we've got a really good balance at the moment. Yeah, I heard uh, Adam Ashley Cooper interviewed after the game as well, and exactly along those lines, um, you know, he's talking about growing up dreaming of playing in a World Cup final. He's right at the end of his international career now, uh, we're assuming, and he's finally going to do it. And yeah, like, like you say, uh, there's just so much emotion about having finally got there. And, and this game's going to be huge for so many big-name players. Um, obviously, Richie McCaw, um, Dan Carter, all those guys playing their last test as well. Um, I mean, it can't get bigger than this, what's coming next weekend. Well, for Dan Carter, like I saw the emotion on his face last night. And it just sort of struck me, like, you think the Kiwis are used to winning, but they showed so much emotion just to get in that final. And I thought, you know, as an Australian, obviously, all I want to do is win. But you see Dan Carden, and you think a guy who's had that type of career but yet to win a World Cup, he, he could be one of the greatest, he probably is one of the greatest the game's ever seen, but he's yet to win a World Cup. So there's a tiny part of me that, you know, enjoys the fairy tale side for Dan Carter, but I certainly want to see it for Adam Ashley Cooper and his mates instead. Well, how about him? Adam Ashley Cooper, three tries in a World Cup semi-final. I, I don't think... You would ever have seen three tries. We'd have to, we'd be looking at record books to recall a player scoring three in a World Cup semi. Am I right I in th saying that? I uh, think Jonah got four, but was that a semi that or was a, a quarter. quarter final? Quarter final. Yeah. I think that was a quarter, wasn't it, against I, England in I, South Africa in '95? I think you might be well, right. It speaks yeah. volumes of him, like Super Rugby final, two tries, World Cup semi final, three tries. He's always scoring big tries, and you know what he does? He also scores tries against the Kiwis a lot. A lot yep. of his tries come in big games. So, you know, I'm looking forward to him bringing back Bill and, and also an Adam. We're about to open a gym in Coogee, so hopefully he comes back. Right. Open World it the Cup next winner. week. Yeah, like there's a little bit of a... There you go. A little come bit of momentum, yeah. Come shake some hands. Will <laughs> yeah. you let him Kiss cut the Kiss babies. Kiss babies. Will he can do whatever him, he wants. He can cut... Will you get some novelty-sized scissors? Yeah. Will you hold the Will you hold the ribbon up? I'll do whatever he wants if he brings who else Bill is, in. Who else is opening the gym? Are you and who else? You and Chapo? Mitch Chapman, and it couldn't come at a better time for Chapo. I saw him in Brisbane. We were up there for the NRC over the weekend. Yeah. He has blown out something <laughs> fierce, really? Sean, either... The nine to five grind on the keyboard is at Bank of Queensland at the moment, and he's doing it extremely. It's tough. the sedentary lifestyle it's called when you're just parking the big rig mm. on the chair and just sitting there tapping, crunching numbers, putting some figures into the Excel spreadsheets. Tory's calf on the way to the coffee machine, apparently. Garbage. <laughs> True story. No way. Mm. He's broken. Mm. He's got to get F45 fit. He needs to get, he needs to get moving. He needs to get busy living. The big, the big dude's got to get busy living. Adam Ashley Cooper, wouldn't that be a treat if you could have him back in Coogee? Uh,
as a World Cup winner. Uh, other big performances, Rob Simmons got the scoring underway. Just positioned himself perfectly for the intercept to open up the scoring. And, gee, he can, he can move when he gets in the uh, backfield. Yeah, he just pounced on that like a winger, didn't he? And then screeched away. It was uh, very impressive. So, yeah, he, he played well. And, and David Pocock and, and Scott Fardy were just immense, I thought. Just unbelievable performances from those two. I think Pocock had about four turnovers. And, and him and Fardy were covered in blood at the end of the game. Exactly what you want from your flankers. So I thought Fardy was outstanding yeah. again. I also thought Toby Smith and Tatafu were brilliant and I think Tars had a great World Cup you know it's hard for him he's played a lot of test footy but he's now playing behind the Wallaby captain and they used to go head for head for a long time throughout their career and so Tars hasn't been a backup specialist you know he's come on a lot of the time at half time but he's only getting 20-30 minute spells here sometimes 10 and he's always making an impact and Toby Smith hasn't played much footy hasn't played much test footy at all but had some really good carries for us, so that's what you need. They're good. I mean, they're good ball run. Taff is a is a wonderful scrummager. Probably has just the edge of touch over Squeaky at scrum time. Um, gives away a touch the other way at line out time. But um, they're both good ball runners. Maybe Taff just adds a little bit more punch in contact. And and like you say, Toby Smith. I mean, his leg drive, the way he blasts past tacklers, that he got some really high quality touches late in that game. Against a side like Argentina, you saw at moments there how tired the Wallabies looked at stage. It's been a big season, a big campaign. They train hard under Michael Checker. Every team's exhausted and fatigued, but it, I think Argentina are a side that really stretch you. They play from side to side, so you tend to be feel like you've, you don't have much control over the game, so that can be mentally exhausting and physically exhausting. So that time uh, after that really long passage of defence, you saw the hook Taff and Toby Smith come on. I thought there was a, a momentum swing that when the Wallaby made their changes there. Toby Smith, um, he, he could be a great story this week because I think James Slipper came off, I think he was a bit injured and he was struggling at, at scrum time anyway. Scott Seo, um, I think he's probably at long odds to, to be back for the finals. So Toby Smith, who's come across from New Zealand, could well be starting um, against his uh, countrymen in this World Cup final, uh, which would be a great story. Yeah, it would. And as you said, he's only been over for a couple of seasons and yeah, thank God he's, uh, he's chosen to play for Australia. What about Scott Farley? You want to talk a little bit more about Scott Farley? The grizzled beard, just as hard as they come. That guy takes so much tap every test match, every game. He turns out for the Brumbies. I don't know how he's so durable. We had a late start to his career. That's probably why. You know, he's, he's crammed a lot in the back end of his career. He, you know, playing against him, he played with him at Warringah, Sean. Yeah. I played against him, and he was a good young footy player there. He always showed a lot of promise. Went over to the force. Didn't get a go for some reason. Didn't um, get a look in. Didn't get a look in, and that sort of sums up what was going wrong. How yeah. can you let a player like that go? You yeah. surely see the qualities in a guy. He's a back row who can play second row. He can jump in a line-out. He can run your line-out. Talking to Will Skelton before, he runs the sort of mall for the whole Wallabies and, and the Brumbies, and they're a really successful side. And not only that, he's a, he's amazing over the ball for a tall guy. It's, it's really hard for tall guys to steal footy, but he does it so easily. And another one we touched on it, guys with life experience, a good sense of perspective. He was unfortunately based in Japan with the uh, uh, the Kashimi waves, I think. They Up might the be north. Yep. Um, when the tsunami hit back in 2011, the devastating tsunami that rocked Japan, and uh, he helped with the clean-up there. And again, I mean... He's a journeyman who just is so keen out of this Australian charge towards the World Cup final. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and no shortage of heroes. Will Guinea, I thought, was very good as well. Um, Bernard Foley kept his nerve and, and kicked the important goals. I guess the, the big question now is recovery and, and whether they can get the energy levels um, back up there again because obviously no shortage of motivation in a World Cup final, but they, they did look out on their feet there at the end, didn't they? What do you do? Like, what do you do if you're Michael Checker this week? Oh, he, he's always a big fan of having a, a relatively tough hit out at some stage during the week just to you know blow the cobwebs. And they've trained hard all season, so I'm, I'm always a fan of having one really good 
hit out. I think, talking to Willie Skelton before, he heard they didn't have a huge week this week, and I think it was noted, Cave mentioned during the commentary last week, they did look tight against Scotland. They looked tight again tonight, so um, there's, there's moments of the game where they were exhausted, and there was a lot of errors that crept into the game that just before Drew set up that final try for, for Coopy, there was a fair few handling errors, and we didn't really... We got some turnovers, we kicked it back down their throat. We didn't make it easy for ourselves for a while there. So I think there'd be a time where probably later in the week they'll have a you know, relatively hard hit out again. And you've got the best in the business now. It's all about how you approach the game mentally. And I think they're pretty capable there. Their fitness levels must be at an all-time high because they have kept Argentina trialists in that game. No easy feat. We saw how good they were against Ireland last week. And the way they scrambled back when they were on the rack, there were moments in that game where... Argentina looks certain to score, but you've got props and hookers getting back. You had Foley skipping back to shut down certain tries. Like they must just be physically up. Well, I think everyone is physically up. So at a World Cup, everyone, even your Tier 2 nations, they've all been training hard. They had a good lead into it. We went to America. Some sides went up to altitude training camps. Everyone's trained hard. I, I think the difference between the Wallabies now and the Wallabies, you know, one, two, four, eight years ago is that they're just, they're just mentally more stable. And I think, again, talking on, on Michael Checker, what he likes to do, he's big on the mental side of the game. He just gets players prepared. He, he almost brainwashes them in a sense where, you know, they genuinely got off the plane when they landed in London with one job. They were going there to win the World Cup. That's how their mind was. Whereas in other years, I think your teams have gone there thinking, oh, we could we could win this if things go well for us. We're, they're completely the opposite. Not not arrogant, but just confident. So they got there thinking that you know, this is all part of the plan. It's not, not a surprise to them to make the final. So they've got one more job to do. That's part of their journey. Just a word on Argentina, who obviously touched on there. I mean, weren't they amazing um, at the, this morning? Just some wonderful attacking football. They couldn't get over the line. They, they sort of spilt the ball after 10 or so phases as they were building, and, and credit to the Wallabies' defence. But Argentina, I mean, they're such a fun team to watch. It's in, remarkable the transformation that they, they've made um, over the last few years. I mean, this is the team that was basically the most boring team to watch in world rugby and, and, and now they're now they're the party boys of world rugby that's a good analogy they are the party boys of world rugby they were so ordinary against australia earlier this year in the rugby championship they were garbage you know they weren't playing any footy they're carrying on off the ball they went to south africa and that was the turning point they went to south africa and they rolled the spring as massive underdogs and that sort of flipped the lid and we saw a team all of a sudden halsey who could shift the ball who were great in contact who could slip passes left and right and had wonderful wingers with great footwork i think compared to the other teams in the rugby championships they they don't spend a lot of time together so the majority of the aussies kiwis and 56 percent of the uh, south africans are all together in super rugby and so it takes them a little bit longer to get their cohesion once they do come together i'm looking forward to them playing in the super rugby competition mm. the argentinian team because apparently it's about 80 90 percent of that squad they could they could up. they could win the thing seriously i mean yeah yeah <laughs> like that, those side they will murder some super rugby teams that yeah. argentinian team yeah no, they've been good. They've been great to watch. Okay, so Australia are booked in. New Zealand are booked in. Let's get back to that game between the All Blacks and the Springboks. What was your guys' take on it? Yeah, chalk and cheese, the two semifinals, wasn't it? Um, All Black Springboks extremely structured in, in the wet weather, a lot of kicking um, and, and pretty good skills in, in the wet. And then this morning it was just uh, helter-skelter stuff, um, ball being thrown around, so couldn't really get too... too uh, 
more different semi-finals, and I guess that's what we love about rugby, how games can unfold completely differently. But it, yeah, I was I was nervous as a as a New Zealander, but always reasonably confident that the way they were controlling that game with with Dan Carter, uh, you know, seemed pretty controlled, and, and Richie McCaw running running the forward pack as well. So yeah, I, I think they'll be uh, happy with that, and I, I do think they will have the edge uh, and legs between the the two teams as well. I think they're a little bit fresher, having had an easier run to the final, so a potential advantage there for the All Blacks. Yeah, well, the, the pool of death I always thought was a, a huge advantage to get the guys, you know, mentally prepared and match hardened, but it may have taken its toll. Like Australia's played England, Wales, Scotland, Argentina. That's four pretty tough games. You saw how much they had to defend against Wales. So, yeah, maybe they're sort of on last legs, but again, you can overcome that if you've got the right approach the game between your ears. Uh, looking at the Kiwi game, I think the big difference between that semi-final was just the fact that, you know, the Aussies and the Kiwis play a relatively similar style of footy. The Argies keep it alive, as we just spoke about, but South Africa tend not to run the ball too much. They do a lot of box kick-in, a lot of territory-based games. So it was the South Africans that dictated the way that game was played. I, I think the Kiwis would just be happy to get away with it. It was never going to be a great game because South Africa can't score tries from 80 to 100 metres like the Argentinians and the Kiwis can. So... Um, it would have bashed them up a little bit though, the Kiwis, it looked pretty physical, that's what you get with the South Africans, it's always, you know, you wake up very sore after a game against South African teams. Do you think the All Blacks will watch that game this morning and then now try and run the Wallabies off their feet? We, we've talked about them being maybe on their, on their last legs. I, d I don't think the All Blacks will be sitting there saying we're fitter than them, I, don't, I think that's a pretty arrogant approach, they're too smart for that. I don't think the Wallabies would be saying the same, you can't in a World Cup final think we're fitter than them, we're going to run them around the park, that's what you sort of say, you know, against a weak club rugby or a super rugby side, this is the world champions versus number two in the world. So it's going to be about who wins that collision, who gets to go forward, set-piece dominance. Our line-out still is, you know, at times a little bit hairy and scary because you don't mind losing line-out when they're contested and it's read well, but we have a couple each game where we just seem to completely, you know, malfunction. We don't, we don't seem to get people up in the air at certain times. It's quite bizarre. But again, one of the sh good things, Michael Checker, I've been in a side with him with the Waratahs where we had a, a poor line-out and... He just teaches you, if you lose the line, it just go and get it back. And it was interesting mm. to see, we threw the ball over the back, we missed it. Pocock, Hooper went and stole the footy straight away. So the mentality is, if we lose the ball, we'll go and get it back. Can I just say how great it is, though, to have two teams contesting the biggest prize of all in world rugby, who have embraced the way that the game should be played. No negative approach from Australia, certainly not since Checker took over. We saw Ewan McKenzie try to instill that in them. Robbie Dean's clearly lost his way at the back end of his tenure, but in recent times, Australia have tried to play positive style of rugby, the way that fans want to see it played, and that was the whole driving force when Checker came in. He wanted to play a game of rugby, the style that fans want to embrace. New Zealand have been doing it forever, so now we have them as one and two for the big one. Well, not just New Zealand and Australia, but, you know, take out South Africa because they play a different style of footy, but look at how good Japan have been for the World Cup. All the sides that have tried to have a crack and play some entertaining rugby, Argentina, they're all there at the death. Scotland, like that's the most expansive style of rugby Scotland have played for probably a decade under Scott Johnson as director of rugby and Vern Cotter, the, the head coach. So it's really nice to be to see a World Cup not decided by, you know, Yanni to be knocking four field goals over in quarterfinals. Like it's, it's, it's rugby mm. and it's how it should be played and, and hopefully the teams up north that have struggled because of it start to understand that if you want to compete with the Southern Hemisphere side, you've got to play rugby. You can't kill the game. The first ever uh, Trans-Tasman final, of course. Um, it's you know a bit of a surprise that it's taken this long. And uh, Bledisloe three, isn't it? Won all this year so far. And <laughs> well, this well, is it. Should, should they should they put put the Bledisloe Cup on the line as well? No, I don't think you should. Like, keep, oh, look, for an Aussie fan, we should be saying yes. But there's enough on the line. Like the Bledisloe is what it is, and the Kiwis deserve to win it. And 
I don't think you'll have any complaints from the Aussie players, the Aussie fans and, and Mardo and people like that are trying to get it to play for Bledisloe. But that's a, that's a completely different trophy and the Kiwis deserve to win that. And we'd, I'll tell you what, we'd rather build them than the Bledisloe anyway. The World Cup's not big enough for such a puny little trophy. <laughs> and you need the Bledisloe to drink out of after, after the World Cup, there. I think. Yeah. Well, Bernard Foley will need something bigger than Bledisloe <laughs> to drink out of if we win, I know that. <laughs> few people on drinks. Dog. Oh, he loves it. We've, we've renamed him the Calm Dog. The pig. <laughs> no, he's the Calm Dog. Calm dog. That's his new nickname, Deno and I, and where they came up with it. Okay. Um, yeah, the calm dog because he's he's just cool as yeah but until he gets on the cans. Oh, he's he gets he's still pretty cool when he gets on the cans. Lemonade, but just a different type of volume. <laughs> <laughs> totally <laughs> different cool. Oh man, I'm almost cooked. I've got to say, I'm You're done, done dusted. You're I'm, done. I'm absolutely wrecked. It's it's such it is so hard. And for those who've listening who've listened on and in with our podcast across the last six weeks. If you are just in love with your nation and you love the game of rugby, it is so hard at World Cup time because your emotions go up and down. It is taxing just watching a game. Yeah, were you always... How were you boys watching that game, Halsey? You said he was pretty calm watching it. You thought the Wallabies were safe throughout. How about you, Sean? Were I you... didn't. When they got it back to seven and there was that momentum swing back towards Argentina, if I felt if they had a, even kicked a, a penalty goal and brought the margin back to four, that they could have finished over the top of us. So much emotion. We had Diego Maradona there uh, sculling his drinks and very mm. passionate. The, what about the Argentinian coach? Did you see him in, in absolute tears? He was yeah. distraught. It was um, it was pretty cool to see in, uh, in a way just, just how much people do care about this World Cup. Argentinians in particular, how passionate they are. And it's... it's that's what sports about, you know. Like it's great to see so many Aussies getting up in the middle of the night. To, that's what makes the World Cup in the, this time slot so interesting. I think it adds more to the the fact that people are going to such an extreme effort to get up and you know logistically drive their car somewhere, have a few beers at three in the morning, sleep in different <laughs> car parks around the world. And <laughs> that's only that's only you. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm, I love the time zone difference. I think it just sort of adds another dimension to the whole thing. I love it, but I can't wait to see the end of it. Are you going to do your show next week? What do we, uh, what, what's the undecided as to whether or not we do another cut run over episode, potentially Friday. We might pre-record one and set it up to roll out across the weekend. But uh, for the moment, I think we should all just bask in the fact that we are set to have one of the best... World Cup finals ever delivered to us via the Wallabies taking on the All Blacks this coming week at Twickenham where Australia have been undefeated throughout the tournament. Uh, right now it is Sean Maloney and Stephen Hall saying we're going to nip off and grab some shut-eye and we're going to let you go back to your computer, Sam Worthing, to keep following up on all the news out of the UK. That is another episode of the Fox Sports Rugby World Cup podcast done and dusted. Don't forget SoundCloud and, I, SoundCloud, SoundCloud and iTunes, a place to be. We'll be back again on Wednesday with a little bit of a preview towards the big one. Let the good times roll. World Cup 2015 is flying.